Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. My name is Gary. I'm the worship arts director here at Redemption Chapel. And with me today on the mics is one of our pastors, Sean. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And we have Shannon McKee, who is uh, director of women's ministries here at the church, also a wife of someone that we all know. <laughs> yes, I'm the wife of, my claim to fame is wife of Rick McKee, right? So yeah, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on this podcast. This will be a really cool and interesting discussion. I think it'll be super helpful for everyone uh, tuning into this one. So before we start talking about this topic today, I want to throw out an icebreaker question for us, uh, like we do usually. So my question today is about dreams. So I I rarely remember my dreams, very rarely, but I thought it'd be cool to hear you guys. It's like, what's, what's the weirdest dream that you can remember having? So I get stress dreams, which is uh, not good necessarily, but I, uh, in college, would have this reoccurring dream where my roommate, and he would always do things to kind of get under my skin on purpose, but I would have this reoccurring dream where he would punch me in the mouth and all of my teeth would fall out and then I would wake up. That's awesome. So I don't know. You guys want to analyze that? What's, what's going on? That's, uh, what's going on? It's really me? extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so this awesome. was a reoccurring, oh, happened, reoccurring dream. I mean, at a certain point, like once a week. So <laughs> Did you guys get along? Yeah. Well, he's like one of my best friends, but his personality is he's like, you know, little brother likes messing with you and stuff. So at, at stressful seasons of school, exam weeks, I would, I would definitely get those. That's wow. hilarious. I've been noodling on this a little bit and I cannot remember a single dream that I've ever had. I wow. I know I dream and I feel like it's usually around stressful things when I like I wake up thinking I'm late or whatever. The funniest thing I can think of that relates to dreaming, which this isn't actually a dream, but Rick and I were early married, working normal nine to five kind of jobs. And we came home after work and took a nap after work and woke up around 8 p.m., but we thought we were waking up at 8 a.m., Like, we, and we were late for work. And so we launched into like, oh, my gosh, we've got to get in the shower. Yeah. So Rick's in the shower, and the phone rings, and finally something that the person said on the other end of the line made me realize, like, it's like 8 p.m. <laughs> so it was an actual dream, but it was just one of those funny sleep situations. Yeah. So. Unnecessary stress. Oh, yeah, definitely. That must have been a good nap, too. Like, if you don't know what day it is. We were hardcore napping, I guess. Well, especially for someone like Rick who doesn't want to be, you can't stand to be late. Right. So that's just a nightmare. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So. All right. So recently, for whatever reason, I have had a couple dreams, and I'll share I'll share just one. So I got married last year, February of 2022. And not long after we got married, uh, I went, we went to bed and fell asleep. And I had my arm, for whatever reason, kind of uh, like hanging over Jenny's head, like near the headboard. And I had this dream that I was in a swimming pool above ground swimming pool and I was fighting a bear in the pool, like fighting, like fist fighting, oh, yeah. like <laughs> yeah. fighting for my life. Right. 
And Jenny found out about the dream because I hit her in the head, like really hard. Oh, you, so like, you were throwing punches? Yes. Yeah. So like, wow. it was. <laughs> so I felt super bad. Right. You should. D- did you beat the bear in, in your dream? <laughs> Doesn't matter because I hit my you, wife on the head. Lost. You lost. You lost <laughs> right, the right. end of your life, right? <laughs> yeah. Either way. So anyway, well, that, that, yeah, I, uh, yeah that, was, that was a rough one to recover from, but. She's, she was very graceful about that one, so <laughs> That's I, awesome. I'm grateful. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the topic of knowing and leading ourselves well. And in order to, to you know, lead ourselves well, we've got to know ourselves, right? So I want to start off with that angle of just really knowing yourself well. So um, why don't you guys help me out with answering the question, like, when we ask the question, who, who am I? How do we know the answer to that? Hmm. Hmm. How do we know it? Yeah. So I was trying to think about this question earlier and, and it is such a hard one to answer. I always go to those like, Oh, oh I'm Sean, right. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm these things that I maybe identify with, but I mean, so much of it is it's, it's gotta be who we are in relationship with Jesus, right? Who does he say that I am? And that's, that's, who I am, right? That's the kind of the overarching definition of, hey, how, how do I view myself? Who, how do I know how I am or who I am and and who I'm supposed to be? And so for me, that's what I always go back to. I don't know, Shannon, what do you got for us? Yeah, I think um, it's really issues of identity that we're kind of dancing around is, you know, we, when, when we introduce ourselves, we often do introduce ourselves based on what we do. But the question we're asking is, like, who am I really at my core? And psychologists banter that around, people in ministry banter it around, trying to figure out who would we say we are. But they say, they, whoever they is, say that identity is not, um, like, made up. It's located. So we locate our identity in someone or something else. And so for us as believers, like, our, our core of who we are has to be rooted in Christ. And so everything else about us flows out of that. Um, but if yeah. it's not rooted there, then we're in trouble, you know? Yeah. I like how you said that too. It's located. So, I mean, everyone, and you see it all over, we're all, everyone's looking to latch onto something of, okay, this is who I am and my identities and my kids, my job, the success in this thing. But unless it is in Christ, it's going to fall short. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt Thompson talks, he's a a psychologist I really respect, and he talks a lot about we come out of the womb, we're, we're looking for to find ourselves in our parents' eyes. Like we we are locating who we are and what we're worth by the person that's looking back at us. And so for us as Christians, that's, that's God himself, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's good. So, yeah. You you mentioned earlier before we were talking like the illustration you had of the tree. You want to go? Oh into that? yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, so a lot of times when I'm talking with people about this, I'll I'll talk about a tree uh, that's you know the root system is our identity in Christ. That that is the thing that no matter what the weather is like, it stays rooted and true and runs deep. Then the trunk of the tree could be what we would call personality, where we're starting to develop like, okay, so I know I'm in Christ, but like, there are, we're not all exactly the same in Christ. We're all different kinds of people with gifts and abilities. And so, excuse me, so that trunk could be our, our personality, which personality is formed by 
nature and nurture. Some of it's just how we are, and some of it's the environment we grew up in or whatever. And then the leaves or the fruit on the tree is would be all the things that we bring to the world, our gifts, our talents, kind of the fruit of, okay, here's who I am, so here's what I offer the rest of the world. So I think it's a helpful way to distinguish those different parts of us. Yeah, I think it's really good because even I think if we all answer the question, like, who are you? Our natural response is those things like the trunk. It's our personality. Well, I'm like extroverted. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a funny person, right? My identities and my humor, it's, or it's, it's these things I can produce. But that's a really helpful image because it's the shift of no, like who you are starts with the root. It starts with who God says you are and what he's done for you. And mm-hmm. I think if we're honest, we all start with those other ones pretty easily to, oh, this is who Sean is. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Th- at the beginning of the podcast, I introduced you both and I said, Sean, you're one of our pastors here. Shannon, you're the director of women's ministry. If we get our identity in just those kind of things, right, we can, we, that can lead us to a rough, rough ending. Oh, yeah. You know, even me, I'm, I'm a worship leader. Well, at some point, there's going to be people that don't want to hear me lead worship. And when I lose that title, when I lose that position, you know, is that going to be devastating to me or not? Mm-hmm. And I think it's all rooted in this idea of what we're talking about, identity. Mm-hmm. Who or what are we finding our identity in? Yeah. If we don't get that right, then yeah, it could re- lead to a rough ending to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, uh, with, with knowing ourselves. I know a big thing... Um, that we all encounter is personality tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all kinds, right? There's the DISC test, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's Enneagram. So let's let's talk about that. And Shannon, I know this is a, this is a big part of your field as well. We didn't say this at the beginning, but can you tell us uh, your certification and what you do with the Enneagram? Yeah, so I'm a, um, I work part-time here at the church, and then the other part of my time is spent uh, doing life coaching uh, through a ministry called Free to Be, and, and then also using the skills I have with the Enneagram to work with people and when they feel stuck or having a hard time figuring out how they're wired or how to move forward, I can help with that. So that's like a big topic now, right? Like right. we look at people and like, what's your Enneagram number? Right. Sean, do you know your Enneagram number? Yeah, I'm a nine. I always thought I was a one, but I'm definitely a, I'm a nine. And I don't know a lot, but I know that's a peacemaker mm-hmm. because I'm, I know I'm a one mm-hmm. wing nine. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So what does that mean, Shannon, when I'm a one wing nine? Right. So your, your number, it, there are nine numbers on the Enneagram. Your number is your main type. And anytime we talk about personality typing, whether we're talking about the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or whatever, when we talk about personality, that's our way of coping with the world. And like I said, that's nature or nurture. And so your type is the main way that you cope with the world. So as a one, you are a reformer, you're a fixer, you want things to be right in the world. The fact that you're a wing nine, your wings are the two numbers on either side of you, Um, that means that you uh, tend to go about that, kind of the wings we call them like seasoning on a steak, like the salt and pepper. So the way you go about reforming the world is primarily through more of the peacemaker as opposed to the two on the other side of you, which would be the helper. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So aren't you a nine? I am. So 
I'm a one week nine. You're a nine. You said. Yeah, I think nine. So nine. this is like a very peaceful. Yeah, yeah. Very Just peaceful one. podcast. Gonna, there's going to be no conflict. This is yes, gonna be great. yes, very peaceful. And if peace. If there if there is, we'll all withdraw. Yeah. Like. Oh, no, Shannon, you're right. Right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. If you ever need to just a place of peace, just pull up this podcast again. It's very <laughs> right. Go along to get along. Quiet voices. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, how do these personality tests tests help us? You know, figure out our identity and knowing ourselves better. Yeah. So for me, and and this is obviously more Shannon's wheelhouse than mine, but I think I view these as it's a helpful tool, right, to help us identify even blind spots or even like, how has God uniquely made me, right? And so we're all made in the image of God. We all value our identity as in Him and what He's done for us. But like you said earlier, Shannon, okay, He still made me different, right? Like we're all maybe similar and in, in wanting to create peace, but our personalities are different. We act different. Like, so so what does that mean? And so um, I think these, these personality tests are a way to help us have more clarity. What are our weaknesses? What are our strengths? Um, and they're not, I think the danger is we can use them as boxes where we can say, Oh, I'm a nine. So like, I can't ever have a hard conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the danger. We, we want to not put ourselves in boxes, but also use it as a helpful evaluation tool of man, how's God wired me and mm -hmm. for his glory and my good to mm -hmm. serve his people and, and live a life in honor of him. Yeah. Yeah. I think the blind spot is a great word for it. Like we, um, it's that self-awareness piece, I think, is what personality tests can help with. It whether Whatever one you're using, um, when you can do some kind of assessment like that, it starts to kind of shine a light on like, oh, yeah, when I, ref well, the problem is we don't stop and reflect and think very often. And so when we do encounter either a personality test or a team situation where we need to rely on each other or whatever, we're forced to reflect and go, oh, that is that is what I bring to the table, or whether good or bad. Like sometimes it's gross stuff that we bring to the table, but um, I'm reading a really interesting book by Tasha Urich called Insight, and she talks about the fact that um, as a culture, we are incredibly not self-aware like people think they're self-aware and they think they know what they're good at or whatever but studies show over and over and over again that we we kind of over inflate we think we're good at things that we're not good at it's kind of like the person that goes on american idol that you're like wow nobody told you that you actually can't sing or yeah, whatever like where were your friends yeah. yeah exactly and so um yeah, so it's really fascinating. Like there was one study even that 92% of professors, when self-rating, they, they rate themselves as above average. Well, that's statistically impossible that 92% of them could be above average, but they all think they're awesome yeah. at their jobs. And so, and if you've ever had a bad professor, you know they're not all awesome at their jobs. So, um, yeah, so it's just kind of fascinating. And I feel like personality tests can be not a shortcut, but maybe, maybe that's a good word for it, a shortcut to starting that process of a jumping off point to go like, oh, this helps me understand myself yeah. a little bit. I think it's a good catch too. Like I've caught myself doing personality tests and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm answering this how I want to be. Mm -hmm. And and then I have to ca catch myself and say, well, actually, how do I handle that? Like not, 
not the way I want to be or I perceive myself. And you actually almost, it forces you to have that introspection of, oh no, I'm, I'm not this way. I, I do handle it this way. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's a good starting point for sure. Yeah. I once heard Steve Carell, who is Michael Scott on The Office, they were interviewing him and they asked him, what's the key to playing Michael Scott, this character? And he very quickly said, no self-awareness. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, the self-awareness is a huge part of our growth and knowing who we are, helping us uh, succeed and grow in life. So I think these personality tests obviously are definitely can be helpful to us. Uh, but the other thing I think about is life experience. I mean, how major is life experience in shaping us, the triumphs of life, the traumas of life, our family history? Uh, what would you guys say to life experiences and, and how, what part they play? Yeah, I think, uh, I think honestly, it's a critical part because I think if you don't if you don't develop that muscle of reflecting back on thinking, okay, uh, I just totally lost my cool on this group of people um, for a reason that seems silly. Like if you don't, if you're not aware of how your parents talk to you or the ways, the things you experienced from a boss or you, and you have never looked back on your story to say, these are the moments. I mean, there's probably 10 to 20 moments in every one of our lives that was really pivotal. Something about it really stuck with us. And and you might think, oh, that wasn't even a big trauma. Why does that matter? But it does. It matters. And so I think we carry those stories with us, and they're beautiful stories with a lot of texture to them, but they come with pros and cons. And if we're not aware of why we recoil in a certain situation, then um, I think it can be really detrimental to us if we don't know kind of how our stories have shaped us. Yeah. No, and it's so spot. Like I, I, was, I was thinking about my life as I like just my past experiences as, as I was thinking about this podcast. And it's like, man, of course, like my dad's cancer or my sister's addiction shaped me, right? Like just how I view the world. But, you know, what are my coping mechanisms that I like use to shield myself in some of that? And I mean, it's, it's, it's real. Like to say that those things don't affect even now how I, how I act would be, man, it wouldn't be self-aware. It would be, man, I'm I'm missing it. Mm -hmm. I'm in a season of doing a lot of premarital counseling and this kind of comes up a lot too. Like, well, how did your, how did your parents fight? Like Mm -hmm. who did what around your parents' house? Mm -hmm. Um, Because so much of what we learn to do and how we act is what other people have shown us too. And so I mean, our life is full of, we, we model, we, we do what was modeled for us in a lot of ways. So of course, all those experiences would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing I wanted to say here is um, it's easy, I think at times to get hopeless where like, oh man, like this thing's happened to me and I can't have, so I'm just stuck, right? Like mm-hmm. I, you know, my, my father was absent and so it shaped me this way and now I don't have hope. And, you know, just even what I wanted to that I have to remind myself of, and I think remind all of us of is what you said at the beginning, right? Our identity is in the roots of Jesus. And so like, I always go back to Romans 12, one and two, like as you, you surrender your life to Jesus, he'll, he'll renew your mind. Right. So yeah, like this shapes me, but I also can, I have to be self-aware enough 
to give that to the Lord and begin to heal from it at the same time. And that's why I think even from a spiritual perspective, that self-awareness matters and and has a huge impact. Yeah, totally. I mean, and God's made our brains. He's so cool in the way that he has made us able to learn new pathways as we are sanctified and we grow in him with the right tools in the toolbox and the most importantly, the power of the spirit, we, we can learn new ways of thinking and acting that, that go against what we, what we learned growing up. And that's, I think that self-awareness is so hopeful for Christians uniquely because we really have the spirit of the living God in us and he can truly transform broken things. He repairs broken stuff all the time. And so it's really beautiful. Sometimes people are hard on like, why do we need to worry about ourself at all? Why don't we just focus on God? But I think both are both are valuable and both are seen in the scriptures and by hundreds of years of church history that that it's that tandem look at, okay, here's who I am and how I'm acting and here's who God is. And and when I know myself, I can bring my full self into his presence. So I think there's a lot of beauty in it really. Well, in some of it, we do like a false dichotomy, like God cares about your past and your trauma and and it's part of the way he's met you in the midst of it, right? Mm-hmm. So to say, hey, this doesn't matter, or it doesn't impact my life, is to really remove a huge portion of how God's revealed himself to you. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, to your point, I think it, we're, we're doing, we're separating something that God doesn't want separated. Mm-hmm. We haven't even touched then on how then we interact with other people. Like, yeah. so if we ignore these things about ourselves, mm-hmm. like, we're going to clunk around in the body of Christ and really hurt. We could do a lot of damage oh, to yeah. other people mm-hmm. because we don't understand how we're hitting, how we're mm-hmm. approaching a situation or whatever. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I lead our divorce care ministry here at the church. And when we think about um, our identity and we think about past trauma and things that happened to us, we have to be careful that that the trauma doesn't become our identity as well. Oh yeah. So, you know, one of the things I teach with divorce care is that our title is not from here on out divorced person, you know, uh, the divorce doesn't have to define us is Mm -hmm. the big thing that we push, but it is part of our story and it is part of something that God can use to shape us. And, uh, and it can also, like you're saying, those moments can be a great time to really do introspection, to learn about yourself, to know about yourself. So, and then we can go on to the other part that we're going to talk about today is leading ourselves well. So uh, before we jump all into that, what, 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 would you, what do you think I mean by that? Or when somebody says lead yourself well, what does that mean? Hmm. That's, a, that's a good question. Uh, when I think of leading myself well, I, I always tie it to what does it look like to for Sean to live a healthy life in obedience to Jesus, right? And so it's it's I mean some of those keywords, right? Self awareness. Am I am I living self aware enough that I'm doing what I need to do to pursue Christ well and live in a way that honors him and, and use um, my unique gifting in a way that he's called me to, right? And so so that it plays out in a bunch of different ways, right? So if I don't know my past trauma then, or you know, things that I've experienced in the past that negatively impact me, well, 
I might be blowing up on people. I might be losing my temper repeatedly and not honing in certain things. Or um, if I don't know about my gifting, then I'm, I'm probably going to be hurting the body of Christ by not using it and developing it. And so uh, that's what always comes to mind when I think about leading myself well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of the word clarity when I think about leading myself well. Like I have a clear sense of who I am, mm where I am located in God's created order and and why that matters. Why why does it matter that I exist in Northeast Ohio in 2023? And so when I'm leading myself well, I'm I'm living out of those realities. And for me right now, I'm I'm an empty nester so Leading myself well now looks a lot different than it did when I was sure. in my early 30s with little kids at home, you know. And so, um, so I think it, it can change, um, but I think it's that intentional pursuit of clarity, and it most comes out in my walk with the Lord. If I'm if I'm walking closely with the Lord, He's He's sanctifying me, and so that that stuff is coming out. But it does, for me at least, because of the way I'm wired, it requires a fair bit of intentionality. Because I I'll, I love your quote, Sean, that you come from a long line of sitters. Oh, and yeah. so I do. It's um, true. <laughs> right. And so uh, that would be my, I, when I'm not leading myself well, yeah. I am just content to kind of just let life happen to me instead of pursuing who God's called me to be. Mm-hmm. I love, like, the word that kept coming to my mind as you were describing it, like tying it to clarity, I, I just thought of peace, right? Like when you're leading yourself well and, and you're living the way God's wired you uniquely to, there's got to be a lot of peace of, oh, man, like I'm comfortable with who, who I am and who, how God's made me. And it's got to be freeing at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that whole abiding in Christ mm. type of, you You just be tied into the vine. Mm-hmm. And and let him do a lot of the work, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's easier said than done. So sure. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. really easy stuff. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, I. You know, you mentioned something about affecting others too, and it's and I think about when I'm leading myself well, that means I'm leading others well too. That's key to it. If I don't lead myself well first, then yeah, I'm not gonna. Be a great. Let's. I mean, think about my title, worship leader. If I'm not worshiping, then how am I possibly going to lead others effectively or well? If I'm not leading myself well first, so that's that's very key. Well, and in some of what you're saying here, Gary, like how I know I'm not leading myself well, it plays out in relationship with others, right? Like I type the fruit of the spirit. When I'm not exhibiting fruit of the spirit in my relationship with others, I'm like, oh, like. Man, there's. I can look back on my last week, my last day of, oh, like I haven't been disciplined. I haven't been pursuing the Lord. I haven't been doing these habits that I know God wants me to do. And so I'm going to lose my temper on my kids, or I'm not going to be as gracious with my wife, or um, you, you, you name it. But it's gonna it's gonna play out out loud in relationship with others. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, you know, we were talking about the effects of leading ourselves well, um, but. If I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, well, how do we do that? You know, how do we lead ourselves well? And I think of habits, I think of discipline. You know, it takes discipline to grow and succeed in things. So let's talk about some of the habits and disciplines that might be helpful for people listening. Well, one of the one of the starting places I think is um, 
is reflecting and evaluating what is your current reality? What What is, um, like, I, I feel like sometimes we skip to setting habits mm. and disciplines when we haven't, because that's what everybody else in the Christian world is doing, or the, because that's what my spouse is doing. So my spouse is a runner, so I should run, or whatever. And I think sometimes we we skipped a step to get there. Like, maybe my goal isn't the same as my running spouse's goal, or maybe my spouse loves running and I hate running. So it's a, you know, so we're trying to force ourselves into a certain set of to do's that may or may not actually be the thing we need to be doing. So I think I would start the process with taking an afternoon or a day, or even if, if your schedule doesn't allow for that an hour to say, what is my current reality? Mm. And, um, and our church history has, shows hundreds of years of people taking the time to do that um, through things like the prayer of examine or other ways to purposefully reflect and say, what do I want? You know, I, I talk to women who want a good plan for their summers, but they haven't figured out what they even care about making sure happens for their summer. But the kids are home and they know they should have a plan. But they haven't even thought about like, oh, what do I want my summer to look like? You know, so I think the first step is reflection. Yeah. And I always think about community, right? I, I think so much of this you can't you can't do in isolation. God hasn't called us or created us to to follow him alone. And so even with you can have a lack of self awareness pretty easily, and that's a lot of what we've been talking about. But to gain awareness of yourself. You sometimes need other people to tell you who you really are and how how you really act. And so part of it, I think, too, is probably inviting people into that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you mean you need to come up with a plan and, and decide what you want to do. But, you know, something that's helped me is just even trying to have that mindset and heart of, hey, I might think I'm wired this way. I might think I'm good at this thing. I might have the desire to do this. Um, but am I inviting other people and in that I know and trust that I know will be honest with me to tell me? If they think that's true, mm -hmm. who are going to say, Hey, Sean, like, I, I'm glad you enjoy that, but that's probably not your like wheelhouse spiritual gift. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know I, I joked about even with the personality test, it's so easy to be like, well, man, I really want to be this way. Or like, man, I, I really want to be a one on the Enneagram, but I'm like, no, you know what? Like I can be honest with myself. I think I, I really function like a nine and that's awesome. How do I, how do I really honor God with the way he's, he's wired me? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And I think the, the habits go with that because like one habit can be having an accountability partner who, who you've given a set of questions to, to say, hey, I know I need somebody to ask me about this on a regular basis. Somebody besides my spouse or my roommate or whatever that would would be honest with me, that I'm kind of giving permission to be honest with. And so sometimes it's more organic relationships where it just kind of happens in community group or happens in Bible study or whatever. But sometimes I think one intentional habit can be having that accountability person and that you know is going to ask you about some of these things so that you're becoming the person that you want to be. Yeah, you're right. You need to be intentional. Yeah, those those relationships usually don't just happen where somebody's going to be really honest with you or you're going to be vulnerable. So, you know, for working at a church, some of that can be easy, right? But yeah, is it in your accountability 
setting up an accountability partners at community groups. Um, and even like going back, I, I do love the illustration used with the tree, right? It all comes back to the root. So, so much of my, our daily habits and formings of, Hey, who am I? It goes back to, am I seeking the Lord? Am I praying through this? Am I reading the word? Um, and, and like you said, that might look different for you as an empty nester with me with four kids, right? Like the timing of when that happens and stuff, but are right. we going before the Lord seeking him and, and doing that in community? And yeah, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. We live in an age where there's a lot of good books and good resources about building good habits. There's Habits of Grace is a book that's really awesome about spiritual habits. And there's um, a book called The Power of Habits that's great about just habits in general. Mm. Um, like, I feel like there are a lot of... the in it, And I'm not prone to develop good habits. It's not a natural skill of mine. And so I've really benefited from some of those resources that kind of help me figure out, like, okay, how do I take who I... I want to be, I know I want to be this person that follows through on spending time with God or who, um, you know, is intentional to write notes to friends or encourage or, you know, whatever things you value. And But I, I often don't know how to then, okay, how do I get this into the fabric of my life? And that's where leading yourself well comes back around is like, you can have all kinds of dreams about who you want to be, but if you don't put it into action, then it, it's not a reality. Yeah, I found, um, talking about habits or disciplines, I found that, uh, yeah, when I'm in the, the uh, good rhythm of my daily routine, so like figuring out my daily routine, like for me, I've learned, I've learned myself and how to lead myself well, and that is I need to get up really early. I need to get up like so early that it, my uh, my wife and my kids think I'm crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I had just have that time with God in the morning, and 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 maybe get a workout in something like that. So, is there any daily routines that you guys do personally that have helped you with this? So, for me, some of this is stage of life where I I feel like I'm in this constant flux of, all right, what does this really look like? You yeah, know, there's because you, you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, four kids <laughs> under the age of six. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the maybe family is always in a little flux of chaos, which is, uh, it's good. We're getting used to it, but some of it is this like, yeah, what does, what does routine look like in, in a, in a, to lead myself well, right? Like, I think I've been in seasons where I've read a ton of books and now I'm like, man, if I read at nighttime, I fall asleep in a minute. I'm just tired. My head hits the right. pillow and I'm out. So, um, I think for me, like the biggest things I try to do is I'm, I'm trying to be in the word, read the Bible, be praying. Something that's helped is, and this is habit me and Kelly are trying to do better, but even um, am I like debriefing the day with, with Kelly as much as possible? And some of that's like as a guy, I don't really normally lean into, but I think it's been helpful to evaluate, oh, like I'm processing my day more now. Like what is really going on? Why did I respond this way? And um things like that. So that's helpful. Um, and other things I, like, I think I've just gotten the habit if I, I can catch myself if okay, if I don't get seven hours of sleep, right. I'm, I'm probably not going to handle stuff well. So some of those are less spiritual habits, but habits like, Hey, if I'm going to succeed in the way that God's wired me, I need to do this thing, try to be working out in some capacity and eating somewhat healthy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have found, I have to put things in my schedule. I can't, mm-hmm. 
assume that I'll eventually get around to it later. So like um, I've even been trying to rework some of my eating and exercise habits. And so I have to make you know, do some batch cooking and make a whole bunch of chicken to freeze and then put on salads throughout the week. Or I won't, I just won't make that choice in the moment. But when I have clarity, when I know who I want to be and I'm motivated, I make the choice, I put in my schedule, okay, this, at this time, I'm going to go grill all this chicken up or whatever. And so, um, and thankfully for me, I'm married to a guy who's really good at this stuff, which sometimes puts me under the pile, but can be really helpful when I lean into his help. And so um, the best routine for me right now that's working is I, I get up, I get in the Word, I then I look at my planner and plan my day, and then I uh, eat usually a smoothie for breakfast or eggs, and then I go for a walk. And that morning, when I nail that morning routine, because it hits on my heart, it hits on my body, it hit, you know, it's it's whole person type of several elements. When I nail that, I can tell later on in my day, I feel the fruit of having taken that time. Um, and so it works well for me. That's good. That's good. This might be going into your into some of your next question here, Gary, but I think the biggest thing that I've noticed that is a hindrance to this is my cell phone which and mm-hmm. maybe this is like just this, you know, age when I grew up, but I know in relation to how much I have my phone in my hand is to how much I'm probably leading myself well. Like mm-hmm. there's a correlation there. So some of it, this is tied to habits, but am I, am I being disciplined of like putting my phone down and not having it on my person at all times? Do I need to have it on my nightstand when I sleep? Like, so much of that plays into am I just wasting time on social media or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a helpful thing I'm trying to learn and, and grow into with a daily habit. Yeah, and I've had to set actual strict like time cutoff yeah. times because I, I can't trust myself to You're talking about like on the phone, social yeah, media yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, good mm-hmm. clarifier. Yeah. yeah, with the phone in specific, like I have to say, Okay, screen I'm done with screens by eight o'clock. Oh, um yeah. and I'm not picking up screens until after 8 a.m. Because if I give myself any wiggle room, I'll end up scrolling and be like, what? I didn't even mean to get on Facebook right now. Like, what am I doing? And so, um, yeah, it's had to be, I've had to be strict with myself about some things like that because I won't, I won't fall through. Yeah. I did love what you said, Shannon, about, um, but you know, before you jump into like routines and and figuring, okay, here's my habits. Here's what I got to do to lead myself well. I love the idea what you said about taking time to reflect. You know, uh, Sabbath and rest are in the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. this isn't, Wait, they are? this yeah. is not a suggestion. This right. is like, this is what you should do and you are supposed to do. And obviously with Sabbath, you know, the biggest uh, benefit of that is just spending time with God, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, when we do that, you know, it helps us really nail this, knowing ourselves well, leading ourselves well, because God knows us. Mm-hmm. He And this beautiful truth of God sees us. He sees us, He knows us, and then the biggest thing is He loves us, right, He's, in spite of all that. So, um, 
when we we go to this this factor because for me in my life in in my past trauma and growth and healing and all that stuff psalm 139 that scripture of you know the fact that i am fearfully and wonderfully made so there's an identity scripture right there there's there's something that tells me who i am right mm-hmm. how does uh, how does god's knowledge of us and his love for us and seeing us how in in this even this scripture how does how does how should this affect our pursuit of knowing and leading ourselves well hmm. i think so i i think really personally identify with just even that verse in general. And I think as I've gone into ministry, at times at different seasons, I've really struggled with comparison, right? Like, oh man, you, you see somebody with this specific skill or gift and you're like, oh, like, I oh, mean, I wish I was like that. And wrestling with, all right, well, I'm not quite as charismatic or I'm not quite as extroverted. Um, and so it's always been like a tug of war of, oh man, like I wish I was that way and I, I'm not, or feeling like I have to force myself into that personality type or skill set to to be good or to be successful. And so I think this is really uh, a beautiful truth that God has really reminded me of and had to constantly remind me of the last 10, 15 years is, hey, God, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like the the each one of us, while we're made in the image of God, um, he is gifted and wired and designed each one of us for his good, for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's given me a lot of freedom to be like, oh, okay, wait, I don't have to be like that. And God didn't make me that way. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's not an excuse for sin or whatever, but what it is, is it's freedom to say, and I don't have to be somebody I'm not. And I can actually have that self-awareness of, wait, how, how has God really created me? What, what gifts has he given me? And, uh, oh, wait, I can actually use those to be a strength to somebody's weakness and to build up the body of Christ and, and bring glory to God and help people understand the gospel in a way that if everyone was like this, maybe esteemed gifting that I, I have in my mind, that it, that it wouldn't be as good, right? Because God has made us to complement each other and build each other up well. And so for me, that's why I love that verse. I think so much of scripture ties to it, but, um, there's so much freedom for us, I think, when we live that truth out. Yeah, it makes me think. Um, I love that that's where you took it because I, it makes me think of being able to just rest, like just relaxing into God sees me, God knows me. He, is, he has given me the story that he's given me. He's intimately acquainted with that, so I don't need to be a poser. I don't need to pretend to be something that I'm not or to try to force something that I'm not. Um, he, you know, you look across the scriptures, he used all kinds of men and women yeah. with different backgrounds, different giftings. Uh, even the 12, are, they're very different men. And so just um, being able to relax into like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And so whatever my personality is, whatever my story is, he is capable of holding that. And I don't need to protect myself. I can let him, he can do that. And he can guide me through. And if I do bomb on leading myself well, he's even got that. And so, you know, like, yeah, like... (laughs) If I go a year and never follow through on my 
morning routine that I love. God's not panicked going, oh my gosh, I didn't know she was going to do that, you know? So um, it allows for some freedom and it allows me to give that honor to other people. Like if I see a brother or sister in Christ do something well, to, to speak that into them and say, I see you imaging God. Yeah. in this way and like who doesn't want to be a part of culture that's like that you right. know right so yeah it for me it's like a motivation too of oh like i get to i get to learn more of how god uniquely wired me like oh, i want to do that i don't want to do these other things i don't want to have to i don't get my identity from these things i'm not actually good at oh i like god i want to please you in this way so it's this it provides peace freedom and and i think a huge motivation to say Hey God, you've got this. You've created me this way, but man, I want to know more of what this looks like and, and why I am the way that I am for your glory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were talking about uh, the idea of like resting and um, it, basically the pressure's off when we know yeah. that <laughs> that we don't have to nail this. Right? It reminds me of that uh, old SNL sketch where it, I think it's Stuart Smalley was his name and he was looking in the mirror and he was like motivating himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me. <laughs> I do remember that. But, doggone it. But our approach would be that we don't have to be good enough. Right. We don't right. have to be smart enough. Uh, doggone it. God loves us, you know? Yeah. And, right. And right. that's, that's really, uh, the big truth of that. Well, as we close off today, I'd love to hear just one word from each of you about just just to encourage those that are listening right now. How would you encourage them as they strive to know their self well, lead their self well? Because this can be an encouraging thing, but it also can be discouraging because it's, you know, life's a rough road. So what would you say to encourage them to keep going for this? Hmm. I think the primary thing I would say is to... Um that, that shame and guilt around this stuff is is never from the Lord. Like, he doesn't use shame to motivate us to grow or to lead ourselves well. He uses grace and mercy and love. And so, so yeah, grow in self-awareness. Grow in leading yourself well, but, but not if it's at not if your motivation for doing that is to somehow like assuage some kind of guilt or to unshame yourself. Like that's, that's not from him. And I don't want to learn to lead myself well externally. I want to lead myself well internally and let mm-hmm. the externals kind of flow out yeah. of that. Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. And I, I would just say too, um, have have Jesus be the the main motivation, right? And so who you are is determined by who God says you are and what he's done for you. And so again, viewing yourself through that lens and then just having the motiv- motivation or excitement of, okay, well, well, who has God made me uniquely? And I, I, you know, I think if you, if you pursue that, there'll be again, a lot of freedom of, mm-hmm. oh, oh man, I, I don't have to be this or that or what our culture values right now but I can be me, I can be Sean, I can be Katie, I can be whoever God's wired me to be for his glory as I seek him and I remind myself who he says I am. Hmm. That's great stuff. Well, thank you both for your uh, insight and wisdom on this topic today. And thank you all for listening to this episode. We certainly hope it helps you and encourages you to, yeah, to keep knowing yourself and leading yourself well. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. 
To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com slash grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.